what's up to the point listeners happy new year i hope you are still fighting the good fight for those new year's resolutions because if you gave up already that's a shitty way to start the year so get it right get it tight i want to give a little bit of love to two of our sponsors that are coming on board big time for rhino x number one being nuvi this thermostat is ridiculous a game changer it's the first thermostat that will increase membership retention it's the only thermostat to connect straight to your CRM and will display the service ad on it. And it will dispatch the technician from the thermostat. How badass is that? I cannot wait to hear more about it at Rhino X. And second, got to give a little love to our friends, our new friends at Daikin for coming in in a big way as the evening sponsor. A lot of our customers use Daikin and we've heard a lot of great things about them. So we're excited to have that crew here on site at Rhino X. Now enjoy this podcast with my man, Dmitry Lipinski, the beast from the Middle East. This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, and I'm excited. I'm excited because I got my man, Dimitri, finally got him booked on the podcast, Dimitri Lipinski, and he is the, well, listen, you're involved in all kinds of stuff, man. CEO of Directory, the founder of Roofing Insights, he's got the Roofing Process Conference. Um, I would say, in roofing, the king of content. What do you think about that? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I produce more content than anyone, so well, that's I'll what, take it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it's incredible. I've actually learned, you know, uh, you and I have never actually got to meet, which which kind of blows me away. I've been at so many of these different events over the you know over the last two years in the roofing space, and and for all of our contractors that are listening, that which is the majority that you know that aren't roofers, um, there's a lot of crossover, a lot of crossover between the two industries. I um, mean, what I've also noticed is that a lot of our um, us at Rhino, our, our successful customers are going to other conferences that aren't in, in our same industry and learning new things and then bringing it to the HVAC plumbing electrical industry too. So there's a lot of crossover between them and, and, and I'll have Dimitri hit on, on more of what his conferences that he's built and, and all the things that come with it. Um, we'll talk about directory. That's something I'm interested to, to learn a little bit more about and, um, and go through the whole process. But first, what I want to do is, um, just give a quick shout out to some of our loyal listeners and, and our customers. Um, Aaron Christie over at Randy Roof Company, man. Appreciate you, and Aaron and Adam. Uh, Brent, who's over in Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, Hammer Down Exteriors, Boiler Up. Uh, Jim Rupert. And then Heather. I got to give a shout out to my girl, Heather Hitchcock at Royal Roofing down in Texas. She's a beast. She's coming on strong, man. You see her coming in there good. She's doing all the right things. I really, really, really like her. I'm excited to see what she turns that business into in Texas. Um, but let's jump into it, brother. Are you ready? I am ready. Dude, were you like, did you do a workout or something? Because I know you're like a like a CrossFit workout junkie or something. I always see you like pumping iron and it just makes me feel worse and worse about myself because you keep working out and sharing it. <laughs> yeah, well it's my journey now. Can't live without it. <laughs> you get you got the guns, he's got the guns rocking in that. Mine I have to wear this loose sweater because I don't want you to see that I don't have those guns. So um, but let's do this, man. Um, let's go ahead and get right into a little bit of why I have you on here in the first place is that you've seen a lot of success in this home and the, and the construction, the 
roofing industry um, and the, you know, the leadership aspect of the business, the all kinds of things. And so for our listeners, this should be one that you can take things away that you've not that you don't always hear, right? Like anytime we have somebody who comes from outside of the HVAC plumbing electrical industry, I always get a lot of feedback from people when I think, oh man, did we go too far down the the roofing path? And the answer is always like, no, 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 we want more of these things. We want to hear more of stuff that's, you know, some ideas that we have, we maybe we haven't heard over and over and over again at all the other conferences we've been to. So so let's do this because your story is a good one. I want to tee it up and give our listeners an idea of who. Dmitry Lipinski is so man. Let's 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 start from the start from the bottom, man. How did you get into this in the trade space? Like, how did you get here? Like, tell me the whole thing, man. Tee it up. Sure. So, 2005. Uh, I'm 22 years old. I moved from Russia, from Siberia, the coldest place in Russia, to United States on a student visa. Typical immigrant story. Teacher by trade. Consider self educated, three years college, years university. I dropped out of university to come here, told everyone I'm not coming back. Got four months visa visa. I knew it's gonna expire. I knew I'll have to go back, but I told everyone, I told my parents I'm not coming back. I'll I'll die on the streets in America, <laughs> but I'm not coming back to Siberia. That was a mindset. Came here. I told my dad, I'm going to the United States, I'm gonna become a millionaire. I'm oldest of seven kids. Actually, yesterday, my dad and my mom become citizen of United States. Just last, last night, ceremony, 625 people was there from 75 countries, and both of my parents were there. So I moved them. So I got here in 2005, moved my parents in 2015. I became citizen in 2013 myself. Anyway, so I got here, uh, barely spoke English, uh, learned my first word at the age of 21. So I had one year to pass the interview to pick up enough language for the interview. Came here, visa expired, um, um, lived in a car in Chicago for a month, parks, literally outside. Um, you know, started with nothing. And then what do you do? I'm a teacher by trade. Like my, my diploma says teacher of theater. So in Russian schools, you have like math, uh, you know, uh, chemistry, all of those subjects. And then you have like music, teachers, theater. So this is how I know how to create content. It actually helped me tremendously later on in life because I studied it. Most of the people who I went to college and university with, they became um, they start working for marketing agencies and stuff because we're creative people. I can take, you know, 20, 30 kids and do like Romeo and Juliet on a stage for two hours performance. So I know how to open up a character. I know how to script something. I know how to put up a show. So I know that, you know, I know how to make, they make Hollywood movies. The Stanislavski system is what's built Hollywood. So that's what we were studying, how to make a movie, how to Tell a story. Uh, perform on a stage. Yep. Anyway, uh, but what do you do in the United States? Barely speak English, so construction jobs. So my first job was uh, siding installer. I've I've changed like 10 trades. I've been tile installer, painter, uh, never been fired. Uh, I work in the cabin shop for a year. And um, in 2007, I joined this construction company. Uh, they were remodeling homes. For two years, I worked there and the guy filed bankruptcy. So we would we would take a roof off and build another level. So that 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 kind of projects, like anywhere from forty thousand dollars kitchen remodels to hundred and fifty thousand dollars additions. And the guy files bankruptcy. And I remember we had two kids at a time. I'm making like twenty five bucks an hour. I came home and I told my wife I will never work for anyone else, and I never did. Uh, put ad on the Craigslist, and I was asking them. I have all of these hand tools. 
but I was lost because we were doing everything. I was doing tile flooring. As I was working for him, I became friends with a few flooring guys. We always sub out floors. I did not do them, but uh, I asked myself, what can I do doing the business? And the answer came out of nowhere. I'm like, I think I can install floors. I've heard that flooring guy is killing it. So literally, I put ad on the Craigslist. And I, I remember that ad. It says, this week's special, $1 per square foot. I did, um, my first call came in. They needed bamboo floors. They already have materials installed in the kitchen, 475 squares. I installed it in a day. I made $475 on the job, paid for my nail gun. The first week of working for myself, I made about two grand. On average, I could install, it was my sport for like two years. I could install five to 800 square feet a day. Damn. Like I was a machine, but I was working uh, by myself. I would hire guys, economy crashed in 2011, uh, 10, 11. And I was hiring guys on Craigslist. The time was crazy. I would put ad on the Craigslist for helper and uh, for 12 to $15 an hour. I would get anywhere from 50 to 100 replies within an hour. <laughs> That's how bad the economy was. So, and I, but but I remember the mindset of those flooring guys. I would have someone working by me. I'm making anywhere from 500 bucks to 1,000 bucks a day, being the cheapest guy, dollar to dollar fifty a foot. And I would ask them, if you would take this job from me, how much would you charge? He's like, no less than 250 a foot. So this guy is getting paid 150 for entire day of work helping me. And I'm making, I mean, we would install 800 square feet, so 800 bucks at a dollar a foot. So I'm making 650, he's making 550, uh, 150, 150, but he would not be willing to go less on the price per foot. That's the mindset. <laughs> you have to adapt to the market. So anyway, I built that company. Uh, uh, in two years, we were doing six screws. I, I have Brazilian crews. That was my first business, flooring company. And that was and what then you my mother, uh, It was... 2011 to 2013. Got it. And it was Atlanta, Georgia. I spent six years in Atlanta. We ended up with four kids there and no relatives. My my wife's parents were living in uh, in Minnesota with her siblings, and her mom got cancer. So she was going through uh, uh, chemotherapy. They visited us many times in Atlanta over those six years, and I remember how it affected all of us. Like she was, you know, that's the only relative you have. I didn't have my parents here. And I came home one day, I said, let's move back to Minnesota to, to be close. We did not know if she's gonna make it. And my wife asked me, what are you gonna do there? I said the same shit I'm doing here, like construction. So I sold my flooring business. Uh, we decided to pack everything, sell the house, move to Minnesota, no plan. Uh, when I moved, I uh, I did not know if I want to be in flooring business. I asked all my friends in construction, if you would start over today, what would you do? And every single person, here's what I'm going to tell you. Every builder, every siding guy, every gutter guy, they all want to be roofers <laughs> because everybody <laughs> knows the roofers makes money. Right. So you call a builder and say, would you take a roofing job? He's not going to turn it down. If you call gutter guy, would you take a roofing job? He's not going to turn it down. <laughs> So I'm like, why is it like my best friend was a siding installer. So I call him I was like, Alex, if you would start over today, what would you do? He's like roofing. 
And uh, funny enough, roofing was the only trade I did not do with my hands. I've done a couple of roofs. I've done siding. I've done cedar. I've done flooring, painting, insulation, cabinets. Uh, roofing was the only trade I didn't do. But here's what I learned in flooring. Because I was that stubborn guy who wanted, like, I, I had the mentality that every board that ha that I installed, my company installs, had to be installed by me. If you work for me, you open boxes, you sweep floors. And then, you know who changed it? I had uh, this Brazilian crew. The only trade I didn't do was finishing floors because I didn't have sending machines. And I, I, I was subbing it out to these Brazilian guys in Atlanta, and they were begging me for more work. They were like, Dimitri, out of all people, you're the only one who has jobs. How, how, how the heck? Give us, give us a try. And I was in a bind one time. I sold the job. Uh, double book myself and I gave them a job. They were charging me a dollar a foot. I was selling at a dollar fifty a foot at the time. And I was shocked that they got it done by like 3 p.m. Customer was happy. It was like a wake call. I'm like, what is going on here? Before I knew it, I'm like, you know, I can make 50 cents on every square. And I and they taught me that lesson because they actually was better than me because three guys can outrun me. So I started subbing it out to them. And within three months, I'm running six screws every day. It was insanity. This is how I learned that you're not the only one who can do the work. Other people are as well. And the, But they pushed me. I probably have 50 to 100 people told me, Dimitri, your brain and your mind is better in office. They pushed me. Like more, like in our industry, a lot of people want to be the boss. If you ask a little kid, like you, everybody wants to be a boss. I did not want to be the boss. I was so happy working with my hands because I'm a hardworking guy. Like I just like, I, I enjoy hard work, but 100 people tells you like, Hey, no, you're better. You can find jobs. That's the talent. Right. We don't know how to do that. Yep. And I was pushed. I was pushed in the office and I was generating tons of online reviews. My phone was ringing. I was good at sales. So I built it. I moved to Minnesota in 2013. I started a roofing company. And the first year, I did $900,000. Didn't know nothing about roofing. I did half a million dollars of gutters because in the first six months, I didn't have license. And I asked myself, what can I do without license? Gutters was the only trade relative to roofing, but you don't have to pull a permit. So accidentally... I, on a on a angels list, I look like a gutter company because I have hundreds of reviews of gutters. I was I was doing like eight ten appointments a day. Like I blew it. I'm like gutters so easy. How people are not doing? How people are not successful in this? So I did nine 900k first year, 1.3 second year, 2.5 third year, and then built four five million dollar company, and sold it a year ago actually. So I've been in the roofing business seven years, and roofing. I would say this way easier than flooring or any other trade. Uh, very similar to HVAC, because I know a lot of HVAC uh, guys, you know, uh, big tickets, um, you, you do repairs, but overall, very similar to HVAC, but very different from anything interior remodeling. Only in roofing, you can complete the job, do the final walk with the homeowner, ask them how it looks, and the homeowner will say, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> On the, on the flooring business, right? So you, or painting, you you see blue tape everywhere. Try to do final walk with a homeowner on a siding job, on the flooring job, on a painting job. My contract has to say that uh, if you don't see the damage within three feet, it's not considered a damage because I mean there are cracks. 
house moves. There is going to be imperfections. And you, you can't hold the check for me if there is a dent in the middle of the floor. Who knows how it got there? But that's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the runway. So you were – so I, I love the story. I think what I like um, and appreciate about you most, Dimitri, is just your overall work ethic. Um, and and I have a lot of – I have a lot of good friends who have come in from other countries and, and established residency and, 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 um, and are now U S citizens and have successful businesses. And, and one of them over in California, my buddy Ishmael, um, just built this monster HVAC and plumbing company in Southern California and was able to bring on a private equity sponsor. And, and like, it's like, there's a lot of good, I have a lot of stories like that. Um, there's a, there's a lot of similarities to those scenarios and it's the hard work you're, you're willing to, you will, I would bet you were willing to outwork anybody. And, and that is something that you've got in you and like just who you are, it's part of your character. Um, but what I love about this too, is that, um, I mean, you went from sleeping in parks in Chicago, um, and you just kept forging ahead. And once you learned some things like you, you have to delegate the, if you want to really grow the business, you, Dimitri, can't do everything yourself. Like that is not a scalable model whatsoever, but you also don't know what you don't know. Right. And it's very hard for us as leaders to, to delegate because you want somebody to do it as good as you. And you have to learn, like they might not do it as good as you, but if it gets pretty damn close, you can, you can still delegate and then work on the craft or the skill or whatever to make them better. But there's no way you can scale a business unless you start to delegate to those that you can also trust. So I love that you ended up getting into the roofing space and um, you're doing this all along the side of having a family, a growing family uh, at that. And um, probably a lot of adversity against you and you still persevered. So I love that. I love that. That's your story, and that um, no excuses, right? No matter what was thrown at you, you still were able to persevere through this whole thing and grow a successful business. So in seven years, and like you had mentioned, um, there is this crossover between heating and air conditioning and roofing. And I'll tell you what's been interesting is that, and I and I'm pretty sure you and I had like this. One of our initial conversations was around private equity because I have a lot of the, our big private equity companies that we work with that are buying, that are heavy into buying HVAC plumbing and electrical companies started buying roofing companies. And a lot of it, because if they're up on roofs, fixing units, they're noticing roofing issues. It was an easy cross sell. So, and in the roofing industry, it was very profitable in business. And, and there's um, a lot in regards to the level of sophisticated um, roofing companies there is a lack there, right? On just like you can sell it and make a lot of money in roofing. Um, but there's just not a lot of, I've, and this is just from my experience. There's so much to be gained by somebody who understands how to run a business and be in a roofing business, like a roofing company. So th- these HVAC guys are thinking, perfect. If I can take these same principles on how to grow and scale this business and add it into roofing um, and I get to use subs, I get to use subcontractors and I don't have to have the same skilled labor because it's a massively different game. You can be wildly successful in roofing. Um, and, uh, but everybody's using manufacturers. Roofing has manufacturers, HVAC has manufacturers, plumbers have manufacturers. And, and once you start to grow this business in, it, it's gotta be more than sales. It's gotta be more than recruiting. It's gotta be more than um, operations. You have to start to util, you know, utilize and lean on your relationships with those manufacturers. And so what similarities um, have you seen like between 
you know, um, the manufacturers that you use, like, did some give you more love? How did you leverage those relationships with the manufacturers? Like, what did you do when you were growing your roofing business with the manufacturers to leverage it? You have to, you have to find uh, partners uh, right away. Your suppliers, your manufacturers. So we we went heavy with Owen Squirting. Uh, that were our biggest partner. In reality, is there's a lot of roofing companies, and if we're honest with ourselves, roofers don't uh, contractors in general don't have good reputation. There's always going to be trust. Uh, issues with the skeptical people, how are you going to overcome it? Well, when you sell Train, on when you sell Owen Scorning, Pink Panther, when you sell the bigger brand, essentially you sell on them. You become their dealer. You know, if you, it's same with the selling cars. You're not buying a car from local dealer. It's essentially, you know, local Chevy dealer is local business that just, you know, we, we are dealers just like Chevy and Ford and our product, uh, is the product that we installed the most important. So for us, um, a relationship with the manufacturer was crucial. Uh, and I put Pink Panther on everything. Like in my presentation, all my trucks, like they would pay for my vehicle reps. I would put, as a matter of fact, I would design my vehicle reps with a Pink Panther on it because I did not have anything cool about my brand. Like I love my brand. I love my company. But there is, I mean, I, I didn't have uh, MGM character on uh, to put on a business card or on the yard sign. And Orange Scorning allowed you to do that and that's a huge advantage in home sales because when we open up we use Rodney Webb sales training we can talk about it uh, uh, training later but when I open up when I come to your house I'm gonna not I'm not gonna start talking about my story I'm gonna start uh, talking about selling own scorning they're a giant they're a you know multi-billion dollar company publicly traded here's their facility uh, they're innovator in your iPhone on your walls. You have Owen Scorning probably. You're already a client of Owen Scorning before you even know it. So this is how we leverage it. Like we sell their story, their product, and then we we say that they picked us and they trust us to install their product. And people sold on a product. It's it's just a matter of um, few sales technique to sell them on you, but they already know the product is there. So I, I'm actually against uh, being all service to all people. I think a lot of contractors making a mistake, uh, being afraid to say no. When you pick, uh, when you pick a product, what's was more important to me, and I think why I won many jobs and why my competition was losing to me, because a lot of roofers, and I don't know if you guys have it on HVAC, they will come to the homeowner. I mean, we have like eight major brands, and they will say. I don't care what shingle you pick, I'll install it. What what message does it send to the homeowner that you're a money grabber, you don't really have an opinion. It's just like, oh, you want a truck? Just pick a truck, you know, I'll find it for you. No. If listen, if you're let's say you're shopping for a minivan and you see Honda Odyssey and Toyota Sienna, you're trying to make a decision. Whether you're watching online review of two cars, like you go on YouTube. And you see the review or you ask a salesperson, say, which one is better? You as a consumer want to hear like, this one is better. Here's why. Right. And if you listen to the review and say, well, they're both great. As long as you buy it from me, it was like bullshit. Get out of here. Like, you know, do you even know what you're talking about? So for me, I was never afraid to say this one is better than this. Here's why. 
And I let, uh, and you know, when you say it with a confident, people trust you. Like this guy's professional. I trust him. He picked it. He would install it in his house. He will sell. I think there's a lot of insecurity with the guys in uh, in sales who are hardworking guys on the field, but they don't know how to sell a product. So do not be afraid to go with one. And it doesn't mean that you have to trash others, but you have to be confident with one because you cannot be all service to all people. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So I want to actually just hit on one thing you said, because I think that I do think this can change based on your brand, your overall brand in any given market, right? Because I, I'm also a big believer on if you're a new, if you're a newer business or you don't have a whole lot of brand equity, guess what? That manufacturer does. Uh, and they've spent millions and millions and millions on that brand. So you can leverage that. And that's a big benefit to anyone, anyone who's small. And by the way, leverage it in a way too, where they also give you co-op money or they give you marketing funds to help you. Like you said, you get the wraps done on the truck. This is common. So in, in the, uh, in the HVAC world, I will say this. Um, I, I think that when people, when, when, um, well, I know when, when a, when a salesman or a comfort consultant goes into a home, they're selling the business, they're selling themselves. They just happen to be confident about Lennox or whatever it is that the manufacturers they're using. So, but I loved what you said on the, you can leverage the brand equity that that manufacturer has until you've built your own brand. Um, but exactly. same thing, you don't go and say, Hey, well, here's all the options you pick. Like, Go in and be confident. Like we want to know like, oh, they feel really good about it. Makes me feel really good about it. They must believe in it. Um, and they're the experts. So yeah, let's do that. That to me seems like a uh, smart business. So um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Cause I'm always just curious to know, even regardless of how you can manage these, you manage and or, or leverage your manufacturer relationships. And, and there's so much more that you can get. I mean, put it this way. Um, first off, be nice, you know, be kind to your representative from the manufacturer, have it develop back an actual good, respectful relationship with them, you know, unless they've done something that's, you know, that you need to have a stronger conversation about. But at the same time too, don't be afraid to leverage. If you genuinely believe in multiple manufacturers and what, and their equipment, don't be afraid to leverage them against one another to find out who's going to give you the best support because your employees are relying on your families, relying on you to make great decisions with your business. So leverage those things. Um, what you, you mentioned some training stuff too, and I wanted to like segue into that. Um, this is obviously like mission critical is you got to constantly be getting better. You got to constantly be lifting your lid in the words of John Maxwell. Um, but what has some of the, what's been some of the best training that, that you have got to help yourself grow in and learn? Well, I, you, you're only as strong as your biggest weakness, right? So in business, if you have a, uh, like in a CrossFit, if you, if if you can run a mile but you cannot lift heavy you're going to lose at competition or if you're not good at gymnastics so we always train we should be training what's our weakness like uh i always smile when people say like oh i'm not good at numbers as a business owner you cannot be good at the numbers or i'm not good at sales but i'm good at installs like no 
you know, if business is a wheel, you know, sales, marketing, you have to be good overall. You cannot have any weakness. My biggest weakness was sales. Um, when I came to roofing, I realized that ticket is very high, you know, selling $20,000 job, you know, I was order taker in the flooring. I was order taken all my life because it was easy. People were choosing me because I'm a nice guy. I was doing the work by myself. As an owner, it's super easy to sell. Uh, you know, owners are horrible salespeople because we don't have to have a system. We don't have to have a process. You just show up, oh, you're the owner, how much? And they trust it, but you cannot duplicate it. You know, you cannot train salespeople, say, hey, do what I do, because if he's going to do what you do, he's, he's going to fail because you don't have a system. You sell because you're the owner. So my biggest weakness was sales. Uh, I did not know how to ask, like, you know, I used to give people estimates and say, call me, right? Like, I didn't even have closing line. Uh, so I start chasing Rodney Webb. Rodney Webb rocked my world, changed it. Like, he's like, he's the GOAT. He's the best. I've never met anyone better than Rodney Webb. And he made me who I am today when it comes to sales. So he he put words in my mouth, literally. Like, he's training uh, you know, like phrases like other than price or payment would be any other reason we couldn't start a project today, right? I did not know, know how to do it. I did not know how to do presentation. And I remember, so I started uh, following Rodney Webb and he he is a guy to chase. Like you don't see online, he's not selling you, own scorning bro him. I remember he will make you accountable. So I attended one or two of his training. I put a presentation. I did not have a presentation for the homeowner. And Here's how the whole world changed around me. I was doing repairs and I was doing replacements. Came to this job and I already built my slideshow according to like Rodney Webb, where I was so com a company story, your story, brand presentation, closing, like it's 10 step process. So I built like 15 slides, come to the homeowner, they have a chimney leak. So I went up, I'm like, it's going to be $350 estimate. But I have this presentation and I've been on two estimates and I did not I did not know how to ask myself to the kitchen and say, hey, let me show you what I have. And I was so freaking nervous. I'm like, <laughs> well, Rodney Webb is teaching. You have to do it. Like, I have to do it. So I have this estimate for $350. I'm like, do I pitch them my presentation on $350 repair? I'll do it. So I'm like, sir, can I show you something? He's like, sure. So it'll cost like $350, bucks, whatever, but like. Before I present you estimate, I'm gonna. I want to show you the story. So I did on scoring spiel, my company story, how we do, how we're different, what do you can expect on the day of installing. And I told him, your roof is 20 years old. You have a problem around the chimney. I can fix it now, but I know you're gonna need a job regardless. So I actually prepared for estimate for replacement, and I'm gonna leave it with you. Call me whatever, and uh, and that's it. And I shut up. It, it took me like 10 minutes. I showed it to him. Here's what he said that I could not freaking believe. He said, Dimitri, can you come back when my wife is around? Uh, I've never heard like roofer, like contractor being as prepared as you are. Like, I, 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 like you're awesome. I want my wife to hear your story. And I, I was puzzled. Like, I'm like, what just happened? So I came <laughs> back, sold them $35,000 worth of work. $8,000 soffit and fascia, 20 grand roof, some siding, some repairs. And if I could leave that day and say, here's estimate to repair your chimney. So this is how Rodney Webb changed me. You know, present yourself well, have a process, ask for a sale. You know, there's nothing pushy about it. 
and he like there's so many nice guys in the industry who think i think it's a mentality about money about sales they all think that big companies are evil crooked overcharged pressure them like they're all bad guys right and we're good guys working with our hands like there's like, this little <laughs> tension between guys in the bottom and guys at the top and they just need to re- like change their mind about they think being the cheapest it's the most honorable thing on earth. I'm a good guy because I'm saving you money. No, you're going broke. You, you, you're you going to go bankrupt and doing disservice to your clients. Anyway, it just, he changed me uh, to charge more, take pride in my price. And I don't know, like that, that's the best training I've done up to date. Perfect, man. So actually, I think um, probably just the foundation to all of that is, when you when you went to that homeowner you're talking about and you offered the thirty or thirty five thousand dollar roof job, when you went up there and you looked at the chimney to fix the the leak or whatever it was, and you recognized legitimately that there was an issue with the roof. So when you came and you gave the presentation to him, it was real. You were being genuine. You were being authentic, right? So it's you don't have to fake it to try and sell a job just to get a job. You actually were trying to do the right thing by the homeowner. And when you present it in that way, with all the information you were prepped with, it be, makes you it makes you trustworthy, right? And so they believed you. And you must have done it in a way that, like, you know, because because you are genuinely a good human being, it comes across that way. You don't have to fake it. So then here you are selling a. $35,000 roof. And by the way, the margins in the roofing is so good. So congratulations. Yeah. But you also said one other key thing that I think is great. And that is it shouldn't be a race to the bottom. Like if you think that by coming in and being the cheapest, your, uh, your, that makes you honorable or like in your words, um, let me tell you, if you, if you're trying to build a business and you have a family that relies on you, um, that is not the answer. You don't want to be the a race to the bottom on price. You 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 price it based on the quality of the work that you're giving. And if you're running a business, you are for profit unless you're a 501c3. Um, you are a for profit business. You need to make money so you can continue to grow and scale and do all the things you need to do and support your family and your employees and your employees' families and things like that. So um, price accordingly, uh, regardless of the trade. You know, price based on your quality of, of service. Um, find other ways to negotiate um, expenses, you know, but don't negotiate your own expense. Um, but that's a great story and one that you could share because it's a success story. It's a, it's um, you, you learned some of the stuff from Rodney Webb, some sales techniques to kind of help make you better. And um, that's also good content and things to share, um, you know, and so content is something that you are, that you are, producing tons of it. Like, I don't even remember what your YouTube channel has, but or your YouTube channel has, but I know it's, it's a lot. Um, because you're pumping out stuff nonstop. And this is a heavy content world that we live in. Everyone is consuming it and consuming it much more than they ever have before. And you've actually have a lot of leverage, regardless of the size of your company to utilize content to move yourself forward, move your business forward. Um, you've got a story you can tell. So, you are a raving fan of content marketing. (laughs) 
And um, I remember you saying in an episode that I listened to, and I don't remember what it was because I've listened to a bunch of them, um, about you going to Content Marketing World Conference and it kind of being like a game changer for you. So again, you know, having content's one thing, maybe knowing what to do with it or what content to create is another. And you had to go and understand and learn from someplace on what to put out there, how to put out there, what, you know, social channels do I use? How do I promote those or push those? So contractors of any size today listening to this podcast should have some sort of a content marketing plan to help push their brand and their service. I believe that 100%. But I got to know, man, like, what should these guys be looking at in this whole space? What are, what should contractors be doing, Dimitri, regardless of size, to push out content? Well, first of all, you cannot make content for yourself. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand what content is, and uh, I'll just give you a common mistake. So I learned content, first of all, you know, in college, theater, all of that. But then here, you never stop learning content. Algorithm constantly change, trends always change. You best advice I can give you is create content you like to consume. Like if you like investigations, do investigation. If you like product reviews, do the product reviews. Like I produce content that I like to watch. Product reviews, comparison. I like to call out scammers. I like shows like American Greed. You know, like it, it's a good show. And I produce my own version of it in my space because I like it and I think it's genuine. Like it comes with my passion. Some people don't like controversy, then don't do it. <laughs> But uh, keep learning. Like I went to four or five YouTube conferences. Uh, I met guys like Mr. Beast and you know Ty Lopez, and uh, I went to Content Marketing World. Like get around people who are good at the game. Like I was not actually going to roofing conferences. Like I, I learned everywhere. I feed guys in the roofing industry, but I eat elsewhere. Like I, I eat good. here and I feed you here. Uh, you can learn. I mean, here, here's here's advice for you. You want to learn Facebook ads? Go to Facebook. Facebook will teach you ads. You want to learn YouTube? Go to YouTube. YouTube will teach you how to be good at YouTube. There, like you, YouTube has I think three channels teaching just for creators. I mean, my uh, people spending what is it seven hours per day screen time these days? If you spent 30 minutes to an hour learning how to make content. And if you if you create content at the very least two, three times a week, you'll be successful. If you do one a week, you're still going to get ahead. You know, one show, one podcast, whatever your medium is. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to document your life about what you do nobody cares like oh i'm dimitri i'm drinking this coffee or you know i work out right now like th this is people very selfish very selfish nobody cares about you nobody cares here's what roofers and contractors in general making the biggest mistakes they make uh it's the message we send so let's say you sell a big job like i, I was actually i'll give you an example so yesterday i got a contractor here in wisconsin so he installed we have a brand new product came into the market in 2015 it's a rubber shingle f wave so he he called me he said misha we did a couple of videos already with the f wave we were the first contractor in our town and we just did f wave roof and uh what advice can you give me 
And I said, what did you film? He's like, oh, cool drone shots and, you know, installation process. I'm like, boring, boring, boring. That's what everyone is doing. Nobody cares for it. It'll be like, my name is, we install a job here. Nobody, I'm like, what else did you do? Well, I interviewed the homeowner and I interviewed the sales rep. Boring. Who do you think going to watch another sales rep talking about, like, I'm turning it off. Like train, like Lennox, all of those products. I'm not going to listen to the sales rep. Here's what you do, my man. You go to YouTube, like you take that selfie camera on your phone and you say in this video and you title it, uh, my first F-wave job, uh, honest review. Boom. Like I want to hear honest review. Yep. Give me what went wrong. Give me what surprised you. Make it positive. It doesn't have to be negative. Or like three things surprised me on my first F-Wave job. This is your clickbait. This is your real experience. This is what I want to like. Roofers will click and homeowners will be like honest review will always like what surprised you, what shocked you, what you didn't know. You know, how like your first experience, like that. This is why we're tuning in. Not, not what are your homeowner? I mean, of course, homeowner are gonna say good things because they spent thirty thousand dollars on the job. <laughs> of course, sales rep. We already know what's gonna happen. I already know how it ends. I'm moving on. But honest review, boom. So always share experience. Like, what would people watch? What's there for them? It's not about you. It's a, like <laughs> I don't know if you guys have it in your industry, but in our industry. Uh, people post like you know their commission checks right like on social media i made like thirty thousand dollars this month i'm like who is your target audience why are you publishing it on a facebook page what message are you sending you bought a nice car you made a lot of commissions great what's there for me i'm selfish here i'm the homeowner i'm not trying to make you rich i'm trying to save money right show me how much money you save to your homeowners and you got to get their attention. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like we need to think opposite of what we're thinking uh, when we turn on those cameras. It's exactly it, man. I'm, I love that you shared that. So, um, you know, and I don't know if, remember if you knew this or not, but I, I think we've been lucky enough to have been um, partners with a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, for the past three years. And, um, was fantastic at content ideas and things. And so I was able to take those things and kind of implement them into our, our world, this, the home services or home improvement world. And, and, um, it was, he said, you know, there's two, you know, there's two main pillars you kind of need to follow, whether it's a podcast, whether it's your content or whatever. And it's either, you know, education or entertainment. And he's like, and if you can accomplish both, if you can educate and entertain, he's like, it's kind of like a, a perfect storm. Um, so I love that because you need to have some sort of a hook to get somebody to even pay attention to your story. Um, well, I think one thing I really I like about you too, Dimitri, is that, um, when you said you kind of use, like, if you have, if you disagree with something or you want to call something out on it, um, you, you are doing it in a respectful way, but you're not afraid to put out there when there's confrontation and put that story out there because one, it's real. And two, there's a lesson to be learned from it, but it's just done in a respectful way. So, you're not afraid of doing any of those things. And I commend you for that because I genuinely believe that, um, in your core, just based on what I've learned about you in the short amount of time, um, that the intent is, is good. You know, the intent of the, of the confrontation, I use air quotes is good because there's a lesson to be learned in it. So, um, I commend you on doing those things too, but yeah, I mean, there's, um, guess what? You want to learn YouTube, YouTube it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not difficult. YouTube will tell you how to 
Yep, YouTube will. I mean, there's some so many little tricks. I mean, your first 100 videos uh, will suck. Like you just have to keep going. Like, like you know, don't get discouraged when you have 20, 30 views. Your first 100 videos will suck. Keep on going. Keep on learning. And keep on. I mean, every other video will get better. I mean, look at what Mr. Biss is doing. Like study those case studies i mean mr biz is popular but he's given away millions of dollars because people are selfish i mean yep. that's this i mean and mr beast he is the beast i mean his workout there's no shortcuts in the youtube game you want to make it you just have to grind and then you have to look back look at the data and by the way youtube has the best data analysis out of all platforms it'll tell you demographics like my average view duration is about seven minutes based on like 250 300 000 views per month it'll give you a retention rate it'll give you when people are dropping off what hooks them it'll give you like more best performing videos you can go like uh you know case and a stat so he's like you know giant like 10 million plus so Daryl Eves were reviewing his channel, and he even uh, Casey Neistat making not mistakes per se, but he said uh, Daryl Eves says top eighty percent of his views comes from like eight videos. So you, so you want to produce more content on uh, that really works worked in the past versus keep making something new because we all do it as a contractors. We do it the same in business. If you have six trades that you're offering, if 80% of your income comes from one, maybe you should cancel others <laughs> because they're not profitable. The same with the content creation. It's not about quantity. It's truly about quality and going for something that truly worked before and doing more of it. Yeah. Love that, man. So, um, and I, I like that what you said too, is it, you just got to keep pumping out content and don't overthink it, right? Like don't overthink it and try to like perfect it because I promise you it's not going to matter in the long run. Just, just get it, just get something recorded, put it out there, make sure the intent is good, make it educational, entertaining or both and, and keep going. Um, you know, what's something that you were, when you were talking about all this stuff, Dimitri too, and I just reckon I was just thinking this, um, and is, Man, it sure would have been nice to have you to fly you in here and sit with my marketing team for about a day <laughs> to do a download to them. Um, just on some of the things that you've learned on how to continue to push the content, like tactical things, because there's there's some skill to that that you've learned along the way to, to to increasing views and things like that beyond just what the content is that you're putting out. So I'm gonna have to hit you up and get you here to Phoenix, man. It's but it's much nicer here too. It's way better than Wisconsin. <laughs> it's minnesota you're in minnesota that's right you said uh i thought i heard you say wisconsin so i was like wait he said wisconsin but maybe you said i don't know um anyway it's either one it's nicer here um yep, so yep, yep. so i want to talk about this piece too because i think we're probably about you know about 40 minutes or so 45 minutes in somewhere around there um and i want to really talk about this uh the retail like in, in residential what we call hvac and plumbing is residential customers versus commercial um, and in the roofing world, we're talking about retail, um, which is equivalent to residential in uh, the HVAC and plumbing world. Um, but then you also have the storm damage stuff. So, and, and I had to learn a lot over the last few years because I've been blessed enough to be able to have done keynotes at a lot of the major roofing organiza uh, um, organizations and conferences and, and work with a lot of roofing customers. And I've just been trying to be a student of the industry the last few years and really understand all the things um, and my whole, my whole push for Rhino for our company is in that retail space because I noticed a wide open market that is far less competitive than, in, than what we're typically used to dealing with. But I noticed that 
there is a lot more people who are in the storm damage, storm restoration, the storms market. And my thought process went to, I'm a big, big, big believer in work-life balance. Um, and I thought, man, how cool would it be if I could become in, be a major di- digital marketing company that's got good intent, that has great core values, that's legit, not a crook, not like a good company, a good, positive, reputable business. And I could take that bring on some retail roofing companies and blow them up and then make them my story. Just like your $35,000 roof guy that you can tell a genuine story with a great outcome based on your service. Same thing. So I'm trying to do in the retail space because if you feel like, or your family feels the burden of you having to travel to go and create business. Well, we, we, as you know, um, those that are having to travel, look at it. Like I'm just going cause I got to provide for my family, but at what expense? Um, and I'm here to tell you like, there is so much opportunity in your own backyard that is untapped, regardless of a slow season or not. Like it is there. It's just, who's going to go get it. So I want to ask your opinion, man. Like why is there so much like you're either one retail or you're the other storm? Like why aren't more companies trying to do both? Is it just like, they don't have a process for it? Like what, what is your opinion on that? So I'm always being a local guy, never chase storms. But at the end, I think the smartest guy, guys uh, in business, they will do both. Uh, and we've done it like first two years, I didn't do any insurance claims, any storm work. But uh, at the end, it was 50-50 split. So you have to adopt both. I would say this. Um, number one reason why there is one or another is uh, retail guys don't want to learn. Just... They keep doing what worked for them in the past, like the old way, and not willing to be open-minded about something new. So retail guys not willing to learn insurance game, but insurance guys are spoiled and complacent with their experience. So like I'll give you an example. If you're the sales rep, whoever trail, uh, um, whoever have done easy work, and I call it le- uh, easy, low-hanging fruit work after the storm. So let's say hurricane or hail in Minnesota just happened. So you travel and in one week you sold 25 jobs, you know, 250K. That's a big commission check. For the rest of your life, you will kind of like reflect on it and compare everything else to it. And we have a lot of sales guys and a lot of business owners are doing it because once you have the taste of low hanging fruit, it's not sustainable, it's not scalable, but you've tried it, right? And now you're gonna keep looking, it's like a drug. You have this aphoria, you have this big bank account, you're like, oh, that was good, where else can I do it? And the, the reality is it destroys companies more than it builds companies, even bigger ones. As a matter of fact, like Rodney Webb has a network of contractors he worked with through the country. He would not let guys to uh, to chase storms because it ruins companies. So let's say you have 25 sales guys and storm hits. It ruins the company culture because everybody stops training, stop being uh, good at paperwork. They just go chase, chase, chase. I mean, chasing money, especially easy money, truly destroys you. It, it kills work ethic, discipline, and now you just want it the easy way. Well, it's business is not easy. It will never be easy. But that's why you see huge failure rate. I mean, how many companies we have in the last decade who've done 5,200 million and they're nowhere to be found? 
I've seen many companies here in Minnesota. They'll do 5 million, 25 million, 15, and then out of business. It's it's not sustainable. So the best way to do it is establish local brand. And usually, and you, our industry is also known for large amount of disputes on the highest level between salespeople. I'm, I'm talking about companies who are doing 40, 50, 60 million uh, disputes between salespeople and owners. And here's what's happening. So let's say... Florida got hit, someone goes in, you know, business owner goes in. First of all, ask yourself why you're going there. Like, what's home? Like, your home doesn't have roofs? Right. Like, you're probably running away from your problems, right? So you're probably broke. You probably don't have uh, good cash flow. And the same have, uh, same story for a sales guy. So now, broke people coming together, trying to work, let's say, Florida, trying to make easy money. Well, there's delays, there's expenses. And now when uh, when money problems started arising, number one problem um, in uh, marriage is financial problems. Like when pe- people just don't know how to get over it, right? Financial issues, yep. husband and wife cannot talk, but the same in business. When business owner that cannot pay his sales guys, he has two options. Let them go take advantage of their sales or do something shady. And both are taking place in our industry like crazy. So it's just a very bad recipe. The, the good recipe is build a solid brand and wait for the storm to come in. Storms will come, but storms should be considered as a bonus to good retail business model. It should never be as big. If your business model is storm, you're in trouble. That's good. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> I really wanted to hear you say that. Hey, can I ask your opinion on something? Like you're Because I know you'll give me your honest opinion. You know, as I've um, been taking really the last, I would say two and a half years, I've worked with roofing companies since 2008. So I started my company back in 2008. We only do digital marketing. We only do it for the trades, more so, you know, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, but I've had roofing companies who are still customers of ours today, which blows my mind, but we didn't really, we weren't really pushing it. Um, But when we did start to push this whole thing, um, I started studying because I wanted to know to how to tell a story to a, a roofing contractor who's doing retail to say, Hey, what if I legitimately could come in every single month and make sure you're doing, you have roof replacements or new roofs every single month. Well, here's where the overlap lies because I'm able to accomplish that. But in HVAC, most people want you to come and fix it, not replace it. Right? Like why would I want to have to buy a new air conditioning unit for 16, you know, 10,000, 15,000, $20,000, whatever you're having to replace it. So you call, you call them in for a repair job. It turns into an actual replacement. It needs to be replaced. Roofing, same thing. A lot of this is fix it, not replace it. Um, but what we're noticing is that a lot of the same trends happen. Someone goes for repair just like you did to change the, you know, on the chimney leak. And they notice that, no, this thing needs to be replaced. And there's a lot of that happening regardless of a storm. Like, regardless. So what I've noticed is I started tracking numbers because I wanted to know, hey, what is it legit costing us to bring in a, a brand new legit customer for this contractor? And then how well are they handling the call when it comes in? Because that's a whole other episode on call handling um, that I've noticed yep. is a major problem. But right now, across all of our of all of our roofing customers in this retail space, we're averaging right around $125 cost per like new new lead with an average ticket of around $16,000, $17,000. And this is a retail lead. So 
I don't know how to compare against other agencies that are doing the same thing, but I feel really, really good about those numbers and what they're looking, what they're producing in regards to revenue for that contractor. So we've held back on like taking on, you know, a hundred contractors because we wanted to make sure we actually felt legit good about it. And it's not like the, you know, we, I see the jokes all the time in the memes. You want to buy, you know, 70 new roofing leads or whatever this month. Like I'm not that guy. Um, I'm legit tracking it to figure out, are we good at it or are we not? Um, because if we're good at it, I can tell that story. And so will those uh, roofing contractors. So now going into 2023, we're opening up the floodgates, but you can only work with so many people in the same place. So like you can't take on five roofing contractors in the same location. Like maybe you take on two, you know, for somebody like ours, sort of oversaturating it. But I'm here to tell you uh, if you're listening and you are, uh, uh, because there's a reason private equity is going so heavy into retail roofing. It's not because they thought it was going to be good. They knew that, okay, there's a high level of unsophistication. And I don't say that disrespectful. I just say that being open and honest. So if you can bring in someone who has good business sophistication and can take that and apply it to a roofing business, it will be successful. It's low hanging fruit to, you know, to your point, Dimitri, it will be successful. There's a lot of opportunity in that retail space. And so that's kind of my message going into this year is, you know, if I could, if I'm, bringing on, you know, uh, Dimitri's new roofing company. I say, Dimitri, you know, it's going to cost me 125 bucks, $125 to get you a new legit opportunity. You got to close it. But how many, like how, how successful are you at closing those things? Is that a valuable price? And to me, if I own that business, the answer is absolutely. So as long as you got your, your training on, you know, on point, you've got all your expenses, all the business stuff, you've got good subs that you can trust. You can actually scale and grow with it. You've got people you can trust to, to follow you with it. Um, you get, you continue to put out good content. Um, I don't see how that's not successful. And so my hope is great. We keep chipping away at that. And how do we make it better and better and better? There's 160 rhinos. Like I, I've got a big staff all focusing on these things to get better and better every single year. So I learned just as much from you and the things that you put out in your content to help me understand how to relay that message to my team, you know, to be good at it. But to me, um, this is also the types of things that you can get from like the roofing process conference that you have and amongst other things. So I share this just to say, that's just something that I've learned from going to the conferences and paying attention to and talking to the contractors and watching some of the best, like the best influencers in the space. Now you started roofing process conference and I'm assuming it's to start to share some of these things also that you've learned and bring a community together of people to learn, but it's not just for roofers. It's for, you know, like you said, you were going to other conferences that weren't roofing conferences to learn the things like you weren't, you know, like, what'd you say? You said you were eating someplace, uh, eating someplace else that where you're serving or something along those lines. You have to eat outside of your house, right? Like, and you, if you, you, you eat somewhere, but you feed people at your home. So for me, like I feed roofers, but where I'm going to eat, Roofer's not going to feed me, you know, as guys, I have to go to like Gary V, consume his content, get some of his ideas and teach roofers. Like this is how it works. Like you have to refill. You cannot always give. And uh, I like what you said about repairs. Um, think about this number. 70% of roofers don't do repairs. Blows my mind. Uh, one thing I've been teaching forever, like I have a platform called Directory. When we recommend contractors to homeowners, just yesterday, I had a homeowner texted me. We have three contractors listed. He called all three of them, and he's like, Dimitri, do you have a recommendation? I'm like, did you check Directory? He's like, yeah, I called three. He told me the companies he called. No one answers. So the problem with the roofers, they say they want a business. They say they want a leads. 
they don't like if you have if you don't have receptionist you don't you don't have a lead leads problems you have receptionist problems <laughs> right yep <laughs> Don't, don't tell me you're hungry. Don't tell, I mean, they'll go hire you. They'll go hire me and 500 other things, but they're not the one who's taking their business seriously. Yeah. I mean, how, you know it better than me because you're in um, Google space and stuff, but I've done this search, like I think 2015, 2014. Uh, there are 23, what was the number? There are seven times more requests for roof repairs than for roof replacements. No, and this is common sense. No one is going on the internet and typing in how to replace my roof or people how to repair your roof, your HVAC, because it's common sense to save money. We fix our cars before we replace them. We fix our roofs. And if you're not doing it, you're missing out on all of those opportunities. So you have to go where the search is. And if you know there's much higher demand, if there's, but, but, Look at these two numbers. 70% of roofers don't offer repairs and demand for repairs is seven times higher than for replacement, right? So just offering repairs puts you in completely different categories. So you're eliminating 70% of your competition. So now you 30% of market competing for 700% of requests. I mean, how come like you don't see it? Dimitri, I picked it up so fast. That's why I'm throwing it out. That's why I say it's low-hanging fruit. It's so easy to compete in my world, taking a roofing contractor, making sure when somebody searches for roof repair. And then what I'm doing is tracking, okay, even though the lead came in and it was Mrs. Jones and it was a roof repair, 15% of those repairs actually turned into a replacement. Like that's a big number and it was a low cost per lead to get it. I would argue way bigger. I would argue way bigger. Here's why. And it depends on the market and stuff. I mean, prospect is a prospect, client is a client. Yep. The moment like you'll show up. So let's I'll give you this scenario. We're in Minnesota. Let's say they have 16-year-old roof and you provide a $300 estimate. Guess what? If you do it 100 times, now you have 100 estimates or repairs, right? But it's 100 clients who've done business with you. Now, 2 weeks later, you have major hailstorm that goes through the city and affects 250,000 homes. That's all insurance claims. Now what you do, you email those 100 people, hey, we we repair your 15-year-old roof two weeks ago, but we can also file a claim most likely because your area have a hail damage. Who do you think they're going to call for the storm damage (laughs) when it happens? And if it happens every, like if you're in Texas, it happens freaking every year. Right. So that's the fastest, easiest way to grow the business. By the way, on repairs, like my average ticket was $1,500. You don't have to do repairs for a couple hundred bucks. You can charge premium because again, nobody's doing it. You're still saving the money. Your profit margins double uh, from roof replacement. You can make way more money doing repairs if you do it properly than doing repairs. Love it. That's just a fact. Again, and more things that you can also learn at the roofing process conference, like some of these things that you've learned. So let's let's go ahead and, and, and let's finish up with that because I want you to just be able to talk a little bit about um, maybe again to just give me an overview on, on why, you know, the roofing process conference, why, and then let's share with our listeners on um, how that they, if they want to participate or they want to attend, how they can attend. Um, absolutely. Uh, I st- so when I was running my roofing business, 
uh, start putting content uh, online. People start asking me questions. All these roofers, like, can I fly to you? Can I fly to you? Can I? Because I was open book. When I started in 2013, I did not have a mentor. I didn't have anyone who could show me how a roofing business works. I invited, uh, I started doing classes at my business free. Like, I remember very first class. This is a story of roofing process conference. I said, I cannot... Uh, answer all the questions. If you want to learn, I'm going to dedicate two days, just fly in. I'll show you everything. We were doing like north of $4 million. I did not track. I didn't have landing page. I did not know how many people will show up. I opened a door in a warehouse that morning, 50 people from California to New Jersey sitting there. I'm like, well, I had to go to Lowe's, get folding chairs. I could not <laughs> even sit people. So for two days, I showed them. I've done that class 10 times. I'm still the best friends with everybody. So I have 500 people attending my uh, roofing business. And I was showing them. I said, just, it's my QuickBooks. It's my CRM. Don't film, but I'll show you what I do. And this is how it started. And then I started doing little events, like 40, 50 people. And I decided to do one in Orlando. And it was way more people wanted to come. I'm like, this is not a class. This is conference. So I did 100. Like, I've never made any sales at my conference. Last year, we did over 1,000 people. I did not sell one product. My big thing is I was very, here, here's the true story. I was very disappointed in my industry because I, I went to two, three conferences. And they were, to me personally, I'm a, I'm a teacher, right? And it was a drunk party, a drunk fest. Like a lot, I'm like, is this the conference? Because when you go to content marketing world or YouTube conference, uh, it's different culture. And I enjoyed it. And you go to a roofing conference and you, I mean, you can have a drink and here and there, but I was disappointed. And I'm like, I want to do event in my industry for my kind of people. And I attract different type of audience. Uh, Dustin uh, Bigler, uh, CEO of Apple Roofing came to me last year and he said, Dimitri, I don't know how you do it. I did not know we have so many nice guys in the industry. I don't know where do you find these guys, but I did not meet one jerk. We actually have, so we, it's our fourth year doing it. We have this uh, thing, uh, this saying, in four years, I still yet to meet one jerk. It's our record. We never have one jerk attended our conference. There's no fights. There's no arguments. There's no nasty people. And I'm proud of it yeah. because I attract different type of guys, like maybe smaller mom and pop shops, but we have some bigger guys too. But we just attract different crowd. We enjoy ourselves. We share knowledge. We become friends. And that's the Roofing Process Conference. I love it. And we're excited to be a part of it. The only bummer is for me is when the, when it transitioned to the 15th and 16th of February, it's literally the exact same time that I have my private event for my, our customers called Rhino X. So my man, Jeff is going to go and represent for us. So I think you may have met before he's my vice. He does all, he handles all my roofing stuff anyway. So he's going to go there and then fly directly a red eye here back here on the 16th to be in, 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 in the office here. But I'm excited that you asked, you know, uh, me to be a part of that. We got to make that whole thing work. And that means a lot to me. And, and just like the nature of like you're explaining what it is, is a lot of what our DNA is at Rhino as well. So it kind of fits right into, you know, to our world where our hearts are with the industry. So um, I will be able to share just kind of where all of our listeners are listening to this podcast because, um, you know, the the date today is actually January 17th on this podcast episode. So it's coming up quickly. And um, if you just share real quick, then how they can, um, where they can go to be able to either get tickets and we'll also share it in the content as well. So just like wh where can they go to get tickets? Sure. It's very simple. It's roofconference.com. That's the website. Get you all the, you know, tickets, information, speakers, agenda, everything. Perfect, man. Well, listen, I appreciate uh, it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Spouse combo for free, so you can bring you better half at no charge. So pretty much you buy one ticket. The reason we did it, when we changed the, it was uh, from Las Vegas to Orlando, uh, the only days available was uh, uh, Valentine's Day on 14. That's the setup day. And we have so many people, you know, giving us crap about it. I'm like, you know what? Make it, bring your wife in. Whether she's at a conference or not, we don't care. We'll give you a free ticket. So that's how our second ticket came for free. Originally, it was not the case, <laughs> but we wanted to please our people. And that was our reaction to complaints about doing it on a Valentine's Day. Good for you. Now you made it we- Date. last year i just been my date with three guys so my valentine's day with three guys so well listen i appreciate you man i'm glad we finally got this whole thing done i'm glad i got to get you on here. i'm glad you and i got to spend some time together and i look forward to you know to you and i having more conversations i think you and me are probably a lot more alike than we even realize um but i'm excited for what you've done um i'm excited for us being a part of it. i'm excited for what you've done in the industry um and i look forward to you know us being a part of it and us kind of starting a really good relationship so man thanks for your time and coming on here and sharing with my listeners Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Perfect. And I'm going to finish like I always do. And this is with a, uh, a review. And then I'm going to get out of here. And then this one is uh, grateful for the weekly training from Raise the Roof 312. 312. That is Chicago, I think. Chicago. 312 is area code, if that's what that means. Um, says, love listening to you, Chris, and all the guests. You have top-notch contractors and companies on here and giving so much free advice to help guys like me just trying to figure things out in my roof and co. This podcast has been a huge asset towards my $1.2 million growth this year. Right on. Cool. So raise the roof, 312, if you're listening to this podcast. Thank you. Hopefully you raise the roof a little bit higher <laughs> if you keep listening to the podcast and hanging out with Dimitri, you get to the roofing process conference. So if you go to the, roo- the roofing process concert- conference, raise the roof, 312, hit me up. Wait, shit, I won't be there. Um, let me know you're going. I'll connect you with Jeff. <laughs> so Dimitri, appreciate you, brother. Keep on doing good things for the industry. To all of our listeners, you guys know I appreciate you so much. You know, got to do everything, but you got to do something. No, zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, We have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. If you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.